Hey folks, welcome to day one of the Ruby Dev Summit. Uh, I'm your host, Charles Maxwood. Um, I'm the one that conducted all the interviews. I'm, I, you're going to hear a lot of me. Um, hopefully you hear a lot from our guests too. I'm just going to jump in because I wanted to answer the question of what is the future of Ruby kind of in parts or in pieces. And so what I'm going to do is I'm just going to talk through some of the areas that we're going to cover in the Ruby Dev Summit as we go. Um, day one, I tried to stack up. Now we do have a few exceptions to this, but I tried to stack up kind of the different uh, approaches that we have to Ruby uh, as far as being able to provide Ruby on different platforms. So for example, um, you're going to get interviews by Elias Quito, who does Opal. .rb, which is uh, Ruby transpiled to JavaScript, runs in the browser, is pretty awesome. Uh, Amir Rajan, who uh, runs Dragon Ruby and Ruby Motion, um, vi building video games for mobile. Um, I think you can put the video games on mobile, desktop. I think he also talked about gaming platforms like the Switch. So you can run your Ruby-based game on whatever. You're also putting in Steam. Um, incidentally, I'm also doing my first series in the Ruby bit series, uh, building a game in dragon Ruby. So check that out. Uh, I interviewed Yuta Saito about Ruby Wasm. Um, I also talked to Joe Mazzalotti about turbo native, which is a way of getting your rails and other apps that use turbo, which is a JavaScript library written by the rails people, um, getting that into, uh, on, on the mobile, right? And then um, I talked to a few other people as far like uh, Andy Mala, who uh, he does Glimmer UI and he did a presentation, I think it was at RubyConf, about how to build desktop applications with um, with Glimmer. And so anyway, we, we have all of these options. His, his talk incidentally from Glimmer is coming up on Friday. But Anyway, I'm, I'm really excited to have these talks and, and talk about all the different places that we can get Ruby to show up. And it's, how do I put it? It's, it's exciting to see Ruby expand beyond sort of the, the Rails or web ecosystem, right? It excels in the web ecosystem. I, I don't think there's any doubt of that, whether you're using Ruby or uh, Sinatra or Rhoda or... Hanami or some of the other options out there, you get Ruby on in so many different places. And it's it anyway, I, I love the idea of building applications that you can put on any platform you want. Um, so let's talk a little bit about some of the web related ones. I mean, obviously, we have uh, sort of the server side web, which is something that we're all familiar with if we've done Rails or Hanami or some of those. And as I said, you know, that continues to be just a powerful, powerful option. Uh, talked a lot to a lot of people about um, Rails and the, the different options that we have with Rails as far as being able to build these applications, but then Rails 8, where it's starting to incorporate a lot of the things that we hear about with progressive web apps and, and stuff like that. There was the tweet by DHH um, on Rails 8 and... Uh, it basically says, here, I, I got it right here. I can just read it. Um, it says, uh, we, we're we going to make Rails 8 the, the damn best framework for creating full stack PWAs, push, web push, badges, install prompts, work, service workers, the works. I was motivated before, but it's really on. Let's get back to making apps where we don't have to beg for permission or mercy. And then there, there's a whole bunch here. 
Um, I'm just going to read a couple more in this thread and then we'll, we'll call it good. But it says that, and a big part of that is simply to make it wet, make it easy. Web standards like service workers or web push can be finicky to get just right, but that's why we have frameworks. Let's figure them out once compress the complexity and then make it easy for all to launch a PWA by default. Don't kid yourself though. PWAs won't be hundred percent good as the very best mobile apps, at least not yet, but most apps don't need 10 out of 10 10 tenths of UI polish. We can get to nine tenths or even eight tenths. It'll be good enough for most. We'll be testing this theory with, and then he talks about once, um, which is the the approach that they took with Campfire and releasing sort of a, you pay once and then you get the software forever. Um, but anyway, uh, once aside, if we get back to the web uh, the web platform and web frameworks, right, with, with Rails in particular, and it seems to me that anything that Rails invents that makes it easier for PWAs, a lot of that will probably translate nicely over to some of the other frameworks that are rack-based. Um, they may have to adjust some of their APIs as far as the view layer goes or what they provide from the back end. But I don't see any reason why Hanami couldn't pick up some of this work because most of it's going to wind up on the front end, not the back end. But yeah, I mean, just the idea that you can put a PWA and, um, you know, have that work. So you have the web push capabilities. You can do have service workers do work behind the scenes to make your Rails app more performant. Um, I mean, all of these different things are just so awesome. I mean, it's, it's, it's so exciting. And I, I just, I can't say enough things about how excited I am for the future of Ruby. One other thing that uh, as we dive into it that I want to talk about is just when I went to, and we'll talk about community in a couple of days, but um, when I went to Rails World, right, um, there were a ton of people there and the energy was just so, you, you could feel it in the room. It was just so, everybody was so excited and, and it was just, you could, you could almost taste it. Um, because people were so excited about what was coming in rails and I don't know. I mean, it feels like things are kind of coming back and I don't know if they'll, when I say coming back, I don't know if we're going to be in the same place where we were say in 2006, 2007, when I got into rails and Ruby, but the, the, anyway, the, just, I don't know. You, you could really, really feel it. So, so that's super exciting. Now, as far as some of the other things that I talked about, let's talk about uh, staying in the web space, Opal, right? So you have Opal and Opal transpiles Ruby to JavaScript, and then you can run it in your application. And I think I've seen a few front end frameworks that are built in Ruby or Opal because uh, Opal's not 100% compatible with Ruby, but it's pretty close. Um, where you can write your whole application front to back, soup to nuts, um, with Ruby. And that's exciting. That That's really exciting. I mean, I've gotten to the point where I don't necessarily mind JavaScript. You know, I don't hate it. I don't, you know, avoid it like I used to. But the idea that I can do at least some of the work on the front end with Ruby and have it play nicely and work nicely with the rest of my application, that that is very appealing. And the idea then that, okay, now I need this specialized thing. Maybe I do go off to uh, you know, plain old JavaScript and just just use that, you know, or TypeScript if if that strikes my fancy. That that's exciting too. So um yeah, I, I can't say enough things about how excited how excited I am for Opal. And Alia is doing a terrific job on that. Um the other one that's kind of web related is Ruby Wasm. And a lot of people 
that I've talked to are looking at Ruby Wasm not just for the web, but we'll talk. We'll start there first, right? Um, most of the browsers these days have a WebAssembly uh, virtual machine built into them, so you can actually uh, compile your applications to the WebAssembly uh, bytecode language, and then it'll run it. Um, which is also cool because you can get a different level of com compatibility with your Ruby applications than you can with Opal. Um, I don't know if the performance characteristics or the um, bundle size are necessarily what you want, but it's it's really cool. The other thing is, is that WebAssembly is starting to be used in other places. And so you're starting to be able to use WebAssembly to build desktop apps and things like that, right? And you just run the the Wasm um, VM on those on those places. And so anyway, it all of the opportunities that you're looking for out of Ruby may come about because now you have this Web, WebAssembly option. Uh, the other thing that's exciting about both Opal and WebAssembly is that I'm imagining that you might be able to build Electron apps with them and get some of the desktop stuff there. Um, but then you've got Glimmer, right? And so I talked to Andy Mala and he talked a bunch about desktop apps and, and Glimmer and some of the things that are going on. He also talked about uh, Glimmer UI for um, front end for, for Ruby apps and, and uh, or Rails apps, sorry, uh, and uh, doing some of the, the work in your UI without doing what we traditionally do with views and some of the options there. And so again, lots of really interesting stuff as far as getting your application to run wherever you want, right? So Andy talked about the um, IDE that he's built in Ruby that runs on the desktop. And boy, that's exciting stuff, right? I mean, you, you can have a fully functional IDE that's written completely in Ruby that runs on the desktop. That's great, that's awesome. And I mean, the, the sky just feel it feels like the sky's the limit with with all the places you can take Ruby. And so um, I don't know. I don't know what what exactly the limit or limitations are going to be on any of this stuff. And uh, if any of this is going to open up, um, you know, maybe we'll see a resurgence with something like uh, Ruby motion, which is what Dragon Ruby's based on. But anyway, I'm I'm really, really excited for all of the different. Uh, applications and opportunities that we have to, to take things with Ruby. And then beyond that, um, just using Ruby as a scripting language or within CLIs uh, to be able to do work on um, machine learning or data pipelines or any number of other things that you may or may not put a web front end on, all of the op opportunities that we have there to just make it really shine. Um, I, I had a lot of people ask me about machine learning in particular. And you know, I don't know that that fits cleanly into any of the four uh, presentations necessarily that I'm looking at, right? Um, you know, whether we're talking about community or media or uh, language, but the applications of Ruby within the AI and machine learning community, it, it seems like there are a lot of them there. Um, and I talked a bit with um, Alex Rudolph about some of the things that he's doing with OpenAI, right? And so he's building chatbots and, um, you know, working with some of the other OpenAI APIs. And it seems like, yeah, they may not be building the engines like PyTorch or Langchain or some of these other tools in Ruby themselves, but that doesn't mean that we can't use APIs and adapters like we do with our databases to take advantage of these tools. And the other thing is, is that as Ruby continues to advance with its performance and things like that, all of a sudden we have a much better opportunity 
to become efficient uh, users of all of these different services and make those into part of the future of Ruby as well. And so then we begin to go outside of, like I said, the traditional web applications that people are building with Ruby and start tying a lot of this other stuff together so that we can advance as things advance, right? And, uh, you know, be part of the conversation, whether it's blockchain, if that ever, you know, takes off in a major way or machine learning the way that it's going now or some of these other things. Um, anyway, the sky's the limit. It is so exciting uh, to be in Ruby right now and just see all the different ways that it can go. And the other thing is, is that um, this is also our opportunity then to bring other people in who want to do this kind of thing by saying, hey, look, we've got the best tools, uh, the best um, processes. It, it just works cleanly. It works better. The language is, is amazing. We have all of these things that that'll work for you as you work in these applications. And then sure, right, then we use some of the tools that are written in Go or Rust or Python or whatever uh, as part of the tool chain. But we can orchestrate the entire thing through Ruby. And man, it's just it's it's awesome. It's such a beautiful thing. So anyway, um, those are those are some of my thoughts as far as uh, Ruby being on different platforms and the future of Ruby on different platforms. Um, if you have some other platform that I didn't talk about, I would love to hear about it, maybe talk about it on Ruby Rogues. Um, but I'm going to go ahead and wrap this particular talk up and uh, look out for me tomorrow because I'm going to be talking about the future of uh, Ruby's media, which is podcasts and, and, and learning resources. So uh, yeah, look out for that. Go watch the talks uh, on Opal, Dragon Ruby, Ruby Wasm, um, Hanami, Turbo Native today, and keep an eye out for things like uh, uh, Async and Falcon and Glimmer coming up related to some of these other platforms. <laughs>